Think about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why yeah, we're, we're doing so smart. most of the things that we're doing. But here's the deal. If your goal is to minimize the number of gun deaths per day, increasing the accessibility of guns is unlikely to reduce the number of gun deaths. I'm Art Markman. I'm Bob Duke. I'm Rebecca McEnroy, and this is Two Guys on Your Head. Today, guns. The brain is designed to act in ways that are consistent with what is possible to do in the environment. We are tool-using creatures. We, we naturally make use of the kinds of tools in our environment. If you bring a weapon into an environment, it creates a sense that violence is a possible option in this situation. Almost all of our public discussion about guns centers on the, the minority of cases that are homicides under the assumption that if we were to uh, eliminate those homicides, that that would be a significant reduction in gun deaths. But in fact, it's not clear we can eliminate every homicide by having more people armed. And the more easily uh, available guns are for suicide, which are already the vast majority of gun deaths each day. And, and I want to be clear, this is not to say people who are carrying concealed weapons are always thinking, I got to shoot somebody. But it is a much more available option to shoot somebody if you're carrying a gun at that moment than if you're not. So if you think about it, you know, when a conflict situation arises, you have to go through quickly a set of options for how to act in that situation. And the more accessible a gun is physically, the more accessible that gun use is mentally. And so it moves upward on the list of options in conflict situations when guns are in the environment. Because that's naturally what the brain does. I mean, in the same way that, that you know, if you get hungry at night, the food that's in your kitchen is something you're much more prone to think about eating yeah. than something that's not in your house. So, I, you know, this, is, it, this isn't about guns. It's about the, the objects in the environment influencing your evaluation of the options that are available. However, generally speaking, if the food in your kitchen is going to kill you, it's going to do it over a long period of time. And guns have the capacity to do that a lot faster. I don't think the, the prevailing argument has to do with gun deaths. I mean, I think the people who want to limit accessibility to guns, I, I think a primary goal is reducing the number of gun deaths. But I think the people who promote the idea of arming more of the population is not to prevent death, but it's to provide an opportunity for people to defend themselves in the face of threat. And, and that threat may escalate to where there is a death involved. It may not escalate to that point. It may just be at the point that I brandish a weapon and someone who was out to do me harm or to take my property is now deterred from doing that. And I, and I think w whether that is a likely scenario is an empirical question, but I think the, the arguments that pe when people talk about personal protection with weapons, I don't think they're imagining 
I would be killed necessarily were it not for having a weapon. It's that I would be violated in some way that might involve my death. It might involve loss of property. It might involve any number of other things. And I think there is a an understandable, but I think wrongheaded fantasy that if I had a weapon and I'm in a highly threatening situation, I will be together enough to to use it in an effective way to stave off whatever bad things could happen. I mean, if, if, if you think about the amount of training that police officers go through about using a weapon, I mean, and not just training about how to shoot the gun and aim the gun and that kind of thing, but weapons in that when you're in various kinds of uncertain, threatening situations, when should you not? draw your weapon, fire your weapon, those kind of things, all these kind of limiting responses that we're trained. Well, if you're going to have access to something that's dangerous, you need to be practicing all the time. The, the, the amount of thought and practiced thought that it takes to do this effectively is enormous. And, and, we, and we underestimate that. But one of the, I mean, one of the fascinating things about this too is because, you know, so, so that we have this protected value system, which is the, is the system that says, um, I hold this value, I have this belief, and I'm unwilling to accept trade-offs on it. And a lot of our discussion related to firearms and in the United States, Second Amendment rights has become a protected value, which means no trade-offs. Now, part of the reason this matters is that there is, there is, you know, there is a discussion to be had as well about, well, you know, how many accidental deaths, how many suicides, how many mistakes that someone might make in trying to stop a crime that goes badly because of a firearm that they brought into the mix, how many of those is enough to argue that maybe we need more restrictions on firearms. However, the protected value system, when it engages, and if, if firearm rights is a, a protected value for you, those trade-offs don't matter. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and because, because it just, it's not, that's, you're missing the point of the argument. It's, it's about the right and not about the, the trade-off, right? So, so if we increase the number of guns, you know, let's imagine that what we did was to eradicate violent crime. We would probably increase the number of accidents and suicides as a result of that, which means we might end up with the same number or even more gun deaths per day because of the increase in the number of guns that are available, even if we granted the assumption that more guns would decrease crime. Now, I'm saying even if we grant yeah, that right, assumption, right, we, right. that assumption isn't necessarily true. Next week, we'll talk about the psychology of disappointment with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. You can listen back to this show at KUT.org or subscribe to the podcast to never miss an episode. You'll find it wherever you get your podcasts. David Alvarez is our engineer, and I'm Rebecca McEnroy. I produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas.